You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So this is December the 11th. You realize what is two weeks from today, right? It is Christmas. So if Christmas is only two weeks away, that means in less than two weeks from now, it is Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve. So I got to tell you, last year we had almost 4,000 people come to our Christmas Eve services. Now, here's the even better news. I met people here in the room and out in the foyer and in the atrium who since then have come to know Jesus Christ. That was the first night that we met them. Is that awesome? Awesome. There are many people who we met that night who would say, okay, since then I have become more like Jesus. Some of those people have become members of our church. I mean, it's exciting. And so we have to be diligent, as we were last year, about inviting people to come to Friday night service at 7 o'clock, Christmas Eve Eve. And then on Christmas Eve, we have a service at 3.30 and then another one at 5 o'clock. And so make sure that you begin thinking now, praying about inviting people to join you. So many of you invited folks, and the result was that some of those people have become followers of Jesus. Now... If I ask you, why did you invite people? Why is this important to you? Some of you would say, well, because I want people to know Jesus like I know Jesus. I want them to have life like I have life. Others of you might say, I know people who are living in brokenness. And they desperately need the healing that Jesus can bring to their lives. But all of us would probably respond this way. I know that this is what God expects of me. This is what God calls me to do. He asked me to go and make disciples. And so I do that in obedience to God, wanting to align myself with what He wants for my life and what He calls me to. So we're in a series for a few weeks here called Down to Earth. And it's about the fact that God comes down to earth in the form of a baby, Jesus. He moves into the neighborhood. He becomes one of us. He hangs out with us. And He gives us an incredible example of the life that God has called us to live. And so the first week we talked about love, and last week we talked about humility. And this week we want to focus on the obedience to the Father that we see in Jesus' life, okay? So, I want to give you a definition of obedience. You might want to grab your worship folder and a pencil or a pen and write it down. But I want you to think hard about this being a new way for you to think about obedience. So we all come into the room this morning with a mindset of how we view obedience. I want you to write this down. Think about it with me and maybe begin to think differently. Because when God changes how we live our lives, He often begins with how we think about something. So, what if obedience was defined this way? Obedience is saying a big yes to God and stepping into a future of purpose and meaning and peace and hope and life and fulfillment, and whatever other appropriate words you want to add to that sentence, okay? So what if we begin to see obedience this way? It's saying a big yes to God, 
And it's stepping into a future that is full of purpose and meaning and life and joy and peace and hope and fulfillment and any other appropriate word that you want to add. So let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 2 and let me begin reading with verse 12, okay? Every Sunday when I get to this point, I try to give you a brief summary of the book of Philippians. Here's what that sounds like. 2,000 years ago, a guy named Paul is holed up in a prison in a city called Ephesus because he would not stop sharing the gospel. And from that prison, he dictates a letter to a gathering of believers in a city called Philippi. They're dealing with some dissension among themselves. And he talks about, what if you just became like Jesus? What if you loved like Jesus loves? What if you lived in humility like Jesus lived in humility? What if you obey the Father like Jesus lived in obedience to the Father? So here we are. Verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends... And he really was friends with these people. He actually shared the gospel with most of them and led them to Jesus. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed... Now hear this word obey, all right? As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence... When I was there with you, we were hanging out together and I watched you live a life of obedience. He says, but now, much more in my absence. So I'm not there to mentor you guys. We're not able to hang out like we used to hang out. We're not sitting around in a circle together talking about the Scripture. We're not spending time where I'm telling you about Jesus' teaching. So... Not only in my presence, but now, much more in my absence, since I can't be with you. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is serious business. Now, one more verse, and this is the good news. For it is God. It does not say, for it is Ricky. It does not say, because it's you. No, it says, because it is God who works in you to give you the power to will, to want, and to act in order to fulfill, to fulfill rather, His good purpose in you. So this is God's Word for us today. You agree? Okay, so let's talk a little bit. Um, I wonder how many of you, and, uh, and I'm kind of looking to the left side over here, kind of, and maybe to the right side, younger people in the room. How many of you would say, but, but really all of you, so it's a question for all of you. How many of you would say at some point in my life, maybe when I was the age of a child or even a teenager or whatever, I remember a time in my life when I did not follow the rules. Hang on. Did not follow the rules. And... And because I did not follow the rules or do what I was supposed to do, I remember a time in my life when I was punished because of it. Just raise your hand really high and keep it up in the air. If you can remember a time like that in your life. My goodness, everybody in the room has their hand up. Okay. I wonder if there's anybody in the room who would say, I am currently grounded because of that very reason. Anybody willing to admit that? I'm just, okay. Glade, you got a good heart, man. Just be true to Jesus all the way through, okay? 
So that's the way it sometimes goes in life. Now think with me for a minute. Will you just stay with me for a minute on this? So when I grew up like that, and I tended to stay in a lot of trouble growing up, I just didn't pay a lot of attention, okay? We were too poor to pay attention in Kentucky. And so I got in lots of trouble in my life. And, and I remember growing up, for me, when I thought about obedience, here's what it meant. Trying to avoid punishment. I mean, that, if you asked me to define obedience to you, I, I would have said, well, that's, that's what I do to try to stay out of trouble. Now, think with me for a minute. If you bring that idea with you to the Christian faith, and for you, following Jesus or living the Christian life is a set of rules that have to be obeyed, then living the Christian life becomes, what do I have to do to stay out of trouble? So what's like the least, the very minimum that I have to do to avoid punishment? I, I don't want, I promise you, I don't want to tick God off so bad that when I come to the end of my life, He says, that's it, buddy, you're going to get punished. And I don't get heaven, you know? If that's the way you think about Christianity, I think you've got to redefine what you believe about obedience. What if? What if you said, you know what? Obedience isn't about staying out of trouble. Obedience is a really good word. You ready for it? Obedience is a path. It's a path that brings me purpose. It's a path that brings my life meaning. It's a path that makes me fulfilled. It's a path that offers me a lot of hope. It's a path that brings a lot of joy into my life. It's a path that brings me a lot of peace. Obedience is not just something I do to stay out of trouble. Obedience is a path that takes me to a really good place in life. So this morning, that's what I'm asking you to do. The way that God often changes the way that we live and behave is that He changes the way that we think. And, and maybe there's many people this morning in the room who would say, I need a better definition of obedience in my life. And I've got to quit thinking about it this way, that this is the way that I stay out of trouble, or this is the way that I avoid punishment, or if I obey enough, maybe I will not tick God off bad enough that when I come to the end of my life, He says, you're going to get punished. What if I begin to think about obedience in this way? This is a path that leads me to joy and peace and meaning and fulfillment and life and hope and everything else good I can imagine. So let's dive in to the Scripture together, okay? The first word that I read to you this morning was what? Therefore, we have one person who was listening really well to the reading of the Scripture this morning. I'm grateful for you. So I've always said to you that when we come to the word therefore in the Scripture, we should ask one question. And the question is, what is it therefore? And what he does is always connects us to something previously. Now... Think about this with me. Every Sunday morning, almost, somebody stands here and makes some kind of announcements, uh, kind of shares what's happening in the life of the church. And they always say a couple of things. Here at Bethany First Church, we are passionate about helping people come to know Jesus and helping people become like Jesus, right? So Paul is saying, therefore, 
We've been talking a lot about becoming more like Jesus. And so I want you to take everything that I've been saying about becoming like Jesus, and I want you to apply this to your life right now. And the focus right here in this passage is on Jesus' obedience. So, as you have obeyed when I was there with you, I want you to continue to obey even though I'm not there with you anymore. I can't mentor you. I'm in prison. You're there. But I want you to continue this life of obedience because in the heart of Paul, he knows this is the best possible life any human being on earth could live. And I want you to have the best life possible. So, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. These words, fear and trembling. He's trying to say, you've got to take responsibility, okay? I'm not there to show you the way. And you can't say, well, since Paul's not here to show me the way, I'm not responsible. No, you're responsible. You've got to take charge of your own walk with God. And you've got to work it out. Now, the first part of the sentence is kind of confusing. So I want you to kind of feel like you're in a classroom for just about five minutes. You ready for this? And you might want to write a couple of words down. So here's what we deal with. Continue to work out your salvation. Now, are you saying, Paul, that salvation is something that I work for and I work out and something that I have to kind of do on my own and participate in? Because when I was young, I memorized a verse. And the verse is Ephesians 2.10. And here's what the verse says. For you are saved by grace through faith, not of works. And so as I'm growing up in the faith, I'm dealing with some confusion because all through the Bible, I read that these are the works that I should do. And so I'm asking myself, okay, am I saved by grace through faith, like this gift, something God does for me, or... Are my works really important in my salvation? What does that look like in life? So here's what happens. When I'm 19, I come to an altar and I kneel at the altar and I decide that I am done with the life that I'm living and I'm going to follow Jesus, all right? I mean, I'm telling you, I repented. You know what repentance means? We talked about it the other day. I'm going this direction in my life. Repenting says, I'm not going this direction anymore. I'm turning around. I'm going to go this direction from now on. And that's what happened to me that night. I knew in my heart that I would never have to pray that prayer again. I was finished. I was turning around. I had been living this way. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm turning around. I'm going to live this way from now. I'm going to follow Jesus. When I repented that night, something happened in me. So we're going to use two of Paul's words. You ready? The first word, justification. I was justified. I was made right with God. It was awesome. I was forgiven of my sin. I mean, I felt so clean. It was like, man, there's like nothing right now between me and God. I mean, we are just, I mean, he loves me. I love him. I feel forgiven. I feel right. I mean, I was, I was justified in that moment when I came to the altar to kneel there and pray and ask for forgiveness of sins. I was justified. So when Paul uses the word justified throughout his writings, he tends to use it in the past tense. So Romans 5, 8, he says it like this, since we have been justified. 
It's something that happened to me back there. I remember it really well. God did something powerful in me. He changed me. He forgave me. He made me right with God. That's something God did for me. Okay, so we're talking in the past tense, justification. He uses a second word, and the second word is salvation. He uses it here. When Paul talks about salvation, he talks about it in the future. He always talks about it in terms of this is something that will take place. In Romans 5, 8, he says, we have been justified. Right here, okay? That happened in my past. How much more then, he says, will we one day be saved? You ready? He doesn't say, work for your salvation. You know what he says? Work out your salvation. Big difference. I can't work for my salvation because I was saved by grace through faith. I was justified right there. But now he says, I want you to work out your salvation. And what he's saying is you got to ask yourself, what does this business of being justified have to do with the way that I live my life every day until I am finally fully saved? Does that make sense? And so for the Philippians, he is saying, I'll tell you what it looks like. Live in unity. Value others above yourselves. Don't just look out for your own interest, but look out for the interests of others, interest of others. And, and I guess the question then we're kind of stuck to answer is, if you are going to choose a path of complete obedience, following the example of Jesus, what does that look like in your life today? So what does it look like in your marriage? In your friendships? What's it look like with how you relate to your family? How does it change the way that you live your life at work tomorrow morning or at school? If you are going to follow the example of Jesus and begin today saying, okay, I'm living my life in obedience to the Father. I am working out my salvation. I'm asking the question, so what does the business of being justified look like in everyday life? What does working it out look like in your life? I have, a, I have a picture I want to show you, okay? Not, not on the screen, but in, in your mind. I don't know whenever, as a pastor, I've had such an interesting week in regard to our, our church staff. And therefore, the whole church has felt this. Monday morning, really early, Judy Dixon found herself fully in the presence of Jesus. Wow. What, what was that like? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine Judy Dixon is gone? Oh my goodness, it is Jesus. You know. And she also found herself fully healed. 
I mean, no cancer, nothing. I mean, she is fully healed. I've been a pastor for like 31 years, and I've worked with staff most of those years, and I've never, ever, ever had a pastor that I was working with pass away. Never have I had that happen. And so I always celebrate with Judy that she's with Jesus. There's a lot of grieving because we don't have her with us. A day later, Chris and Hannah Holcomb, one of our youth pastors, our lead age group pastor, they had a little baby girl. Her name is Ellie Joy. And last night, another pastor, Casey Meyer, was dead. Myers was married to Kate Miller. So here's the picture I want you to see. I'm standing last night down at the farmer's market. And in front of me, Casey right here and Kate right here. And I say to them, okay, in order to get married by a minister, you've got to say this stuff. And they said it, all right, to each other, meant it. I'll be yours. I'll be faithful to you. I keep myself only unto you. I mean, we are going to be married until one of us dies. That's the only way we get out of this marriage. Promise. Whether you're sick or if you're well, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, you know, good times and bad. I mean, I mean, you should have heard what these two people said to each other, all right? Big promise. You know what they were really saying to each other? A really big yes. Now, what they don't know, and people who have been married for a while know, is that there are probably going to come times when they do feel poorer rather than richer, right? And, and, and there's going to be times when there's a lot of sickness, you know? And there's going to be times when, you know, life is just hard. And one day they're going to wake up and say, well, I think my spouse's body has changed quite a bit since I married them. And, you know, life just has its challenges and, you know, everything else happens. And, 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 and what has had to happen in Kate and Casey's life is one of these days when, when, you know, the laundry is running over and the supper is burning on the stove and the kid is throwing up on the carpet and everything else is going on. They got to look into each other's eyes and say, you know what? The answer is still yes. And, and I think that's what relationship with God looks like in obedience. Because when I was justified, that was awesome. I felt so clean. I felt so pure. I was forgiven. And I had this new best friend. And my life had purpose and meaning. And it was great. But man, has life gotten messy since then. And when life is hard, I look up at Jesus and I say, I want you to know the answer is still yes. See, I think that's what it means to work out your salvation. And, and I would love to say that obedience is formed when life is really good and things are easy. But I think that obedience is most often formed when life is really messy. And I think we see it in Jesus when one day he looked up at that hill where that cross was going to stand. And he looks at the Father and he says, I'll tell you what, the answer is still yes. I'm still going to obey. 
So if today you decided, I'm going to follow the example of Jesus. I'm going to live my life in full obedience to the Father. Jesus has shown me a picture of that, what that looks like. What in your life today must change? All right, I'll tell you something kind of funny, okay? And uh, we'll get to the really good news. Sometimes it takes me a while to get to the really good news, but this is really good news, okay? So the other day, I was getting ready to leave my house. I always am getting places on time. I don't tend to get anywhere early. So, you know, I'm at that point. I look into the mirror, and I think, oh, I really should, you know, trim my eyebrows. Because that old deal about as men get older and they lose their hair on their head and God begins to blow it out their ears and their nose is really true. It's gross and awful, but wiry things just start growing all over the place. And so I grab my little trimmer and it's awesome. I clip the guard on it. I just go one time, the other time and they're trimmed and it works great. It's fast. It's quick. You're not in a hurry. I mean, you don't have to take your time. You just hurry through it. Just one sweep across, one sweep across and you're done. And so I'm needing to leave. I'm all dressed, ready to go. And I go, the guard was not on the trimmer. I shaved my right eyebrow completely off. There is some stubble today. It's been a few days, but I'm telling you, it was as smooth as a baby's bottom. Every one of you are looking at the screen, hoping they'll zoom in, aren't you? Well, they're not going to. I've got some makeup on it. The makeup really helps. So immediately, Annette and I go into panic mode because I'm going to go speak at something. And so she goes, Rick, what are you going to do? And so she... You know, I trimmed the other one as low as I could. I thought about just shaving it off. Then you got matching, right? Annette intervened and wouldn't let that happen. And so she takes an eyebrow pencil and she draws one on. The problem was, was that it was just too much. And if you looked at me, the right side of my face looked really excited. The left side looked mostly confused. So we wash it off saying, you can't do that. And so I take the pencil. I said, I'm just going to add a little bit of color. And so that's what I did. The only really weird, weird, weird part of it all was when I was doing this like this, I look over and Annette is doing the same thing. That was awful. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. So you say, why are you taking a pencil and drawing something on your, over your eye? Because I just don't want it to stand out. You know what I'm saying? I don't mind telling you about it. I love telling you about it. I think it's really funny and I like laughing at myself and I like laughing together but I don't want to just walk around the next few weeks with this kind of blank deal over here you know I just don't want it to stand out so you gotta listen close because this is good you're gonna love this okay Paul says to the Philippians when you begin to really live like Jesus in love and humility and obedience all those things he says the opposite's going to happen to you You're going to stand out. In verse 15, this is the exact language he uses. You are going to shine like stars among them. Who is them? It's people who don't know Jesus. As you begin to be transformed into the image of Jesus, and as God begins to work in your heart and you become more like Jesus in your love and your humility and your obedience, people are going to start to look at you and say, wow, you're going to stand out. My mother is 80. She's not hip. And when I use words like hip, you realize I'm not hip. She's not cool. 
She doesn't keep up with the most current of anything. People who don't know Jesus are nuts about my mom. It's been that way all of her life. She shines like a star. She never says anything negative about anybody. And if you do when you're around her, she says, Now, aren't you pretty? It kills me. But all of my life, non-Christian people have hung around my mom and dad because of the way they shine. And Paul says, here's the really good news. As you begin to be conformed into the image of Jesus and you begin to live the life of Jesus and your love for others and your humility and putting everybody else first and obedience to the Father, guess what? You're going to shine. You're going to stand out and people are going to want to come and be around you. Okay, so full circle. This is going to hurt just a little bit for some. Okay, it's going to be a slight sting here. You know the Christmas Eve deal, Rick? Yeah, I don't invite. You know why I don't invite? No. Because when people look at me, I don't think they see Jesus. I'm not shining. I'm not very much like him. Why would I want to invite someone to become like me? Here we are in the season of Advent. It's about waiting. (laughs) I'm not good at it. I don't ever find any interest in waiting. Let's just open the gifts, could we? But I think it's in the waiting that we are reminded that we cannot change ourselves. But the one who is coming can change us. Wow. And that's where our hope is. You agree? I agree. So we're gonna we're gonna sing together and um, I'll pray for you before we do. And um, you know, I, I didn't really think today would be a day where we would say, hey, come and pray. But, you know, any day, that's okay. And so if you want to come and pray today, you are just more, more than welcome to do so. So why don't we stand together, okay? So, Father, this morning, change the way that we think about obedience. It's not just about staying out of trouble or avoiding punishment. It's a path. It's a path to the best possible life that any of us could live. A life of meaning and purpose and hope and joy and fulfillment. Help us, I pray, to be more like Jesus. Change us. For it 
is you, Father, who works in us to will and to act for your good purpose. Amen. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strange. Jesus
Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And he has come down and he is here with us. He is perfect. And in his perfect, perfect being, we are made whole and strong. As you leave here today, would you receive this blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.